Hi, and welcome to the Church Unlimited podcast. Church Unlimited is a vibrant, Bible-based church in North Lakes, Queensland, that is passionate about helping people discover the genuine love of Jesus. If you're currently looking for a home church, we would love for you to join us for Sunday worship. For more information about our Sunday service or to find out how we can best help you, head to our website at churchunlimited.com.au. We hope you enjoy this message from Sunday service. Awesome. Well, I want to say good morning to all those that are watching at home and just want you to know if you're unwell, I know that some of you are unwell. We've been texting, we've been praying for you and we love you and some of you might be away on holidays and I hope you have the best holiday and I love that you might have tuned in to be a part of church this morning with us. And to the rest of you, we hope that we see you soon and I'm just convinced that it's, it's, church is always better together. You know, we, we, we know what the Bible says. The Bible says, you know, don't get drunk so we don't get drunk. It says, you know, don't do sexual weird stuff so we don't do sexual weird stuff. It says, you know, um, it, when it gives instruction, we, we obey. Did you know that it specifically says don't forsake the gathering? Yeah, that's right. And, and so, you know, I always think it's a bit strange when people say to me, oh, I can just do church on my own. I'm just doing private faith, do my own faith. Jesus Christ. The Son of God did not do church on his own. And you, you somehow think you're going to make it on your own? I think that's mental. I really do. And, and I just would encourage us. We've, you know, and by the way, church is messy because I'm in it. And so are you. And you're weird. I know most of you. And, and you know me and I'm a bit weird too. And, and, and church is challenging. But we are better together. Amen? Awesome. Well, I want to... Uh, I want to keep going um, with our Taking Ground series. Over the last five Sundays, we've been talking about taking ground, that God has more for us in our families, in our mental health, in our physical health, and in more vision, more finance, more. God has so much more, and we've been preaching about how we step into or take ground in the more. But today, I want to talk about what happens when you don't see the more. What happens when you haven't received what Jesus has already prepared? You know, James, you told me he paid for it. Where is it? What do you do in those moments when you're believing God for his greater purposes to be unfolded in our lives, but we haven't yet seen them happen? And that can be really discouraging times. I've been there so much. I feel like I've often lived more in that season, the season of waiting, than I have in the season of receiving. And... Of course, we know a couple of weeks ago, we talked about filling the gap with faith. I fill the gap with faith that I keep believing in faith. I keep holding on in faith. But I want to say also that we need to look at what might be blocking the more. There, there are blockages that can come into our lives that are designed to block out God's greater things in our lives. And it's so important that we look at the more. You know, we've all got our hearts pumping blood through our systems. But if you have a blockage in one of your arteries, that's very dangerous. In fact, it, it, will lead, it won't lead you to more life. It will lead you to death if you don't deal with those blockages. And, and there can be blockages that come into our lives that are designed to block the greater purposes of God from being released in our lives. And this morning, I want to look in Genesis 26 at Isaac, because Isaac really wrestles this stuff. And I think there's some good things that we can draw out of that and learn from and apply to our lives so that we can continue to clear the blockages and step into the more that he has for us. If you don't know who Isaac is, Isaac is the son of Abraham. And Abraham is the guy that God blessed and put his promise on. He says, I'm going to make you a father of many nations. And, and Abraham hasn't yet received the promise because even when, when they're almost 100 years old, they still haven't received their, their miracle baby. But God gives them Isaac. Isaac is the son of promise. Isaac is the fulfillment of God's greater more in Abraham's life. And Isaac is a good man. Isaac is the son of Abraham, which means he's entitled, entitled to the more, to the inheritance blessing on him as it was already on his father. 
And we come to Genesis 26, and it tells us a little bit about Isaac. And I want to read this, and we're going to read 25 verses. Can you handle it? Can you handle it if we open up the actual Bible and read the whole thing in context? Some of us, you know, we're, we're, we're like short goldfish attempt. Mate, it's more than three verses. What's this guy on about? This is the Word of God. And I'll be honest with you, if, if we're not preaching the Word of God, we've got nothing else to say. So we're going to open it up. We're going to go on a journey together. So strap in. You ready? It says, there was a famine in the land. Beside the first famine that was in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went to Abimelech, the king of the Philistines in Gerar. And the Lord appeared to him and said, Do not go down to Egypt. Live in the land which I shall tell you. Dwell in this land and I will be with you and I will bless you. For you and your descendants I will give these lands. And I will perform the oath which I swore to Abraham your father. God's telling him, I'm going to give you more. All right, I'm, but he hasn't received it. I'm going to do it. And I will make your descendants multiplies of the stars of the, of the heavens. And I will give your descendants all these lands. And in your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Because Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. So Isaac dwelt in Gerar. And all these men, and, and the men of that place asked about his wife. And he said, she is my sister. For he was afraid to say she is my wife because he thought, lest the men of this place kill me for Rebekah because she is beautiful to behold. Now it came to pass when there had been a long time that Abimelech, the king of the Philistines, looked through the window and saw, and there was Isaac showing endearment to Rebekah, his wife. And Abimelech called Isaac and said, Quite obviously, she is your wife. How could you say she's my sister? And Isaac said to him, Because I said, lest I die on account of her. Dumb. Sorry, that, I inserted that. Should be there, though, honestly. Verse 10, And Abimelech said, What is this that you've done to us? One of the people might have soon lain with your wife, that you might have brought guilt upon us. So Abimelech charged all his people, saying, he who touches this man or his wife shall be surely put to death. Verse 12. Then Isaac sowed in the land and reaped that same year a hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him. And the man began to prosper and continued prospering until he became very prosperous. For he had possessions of flocks and possessions of herds and a great number of servants, and the Philistines envied him. Now the Philistines stopped up all the wells which his father's servants had dug in the days of Abraham, his father, and they had filled them with the earth. There was blockages now. And Abimelech said to Isaac, go away from us, for you are much mightier than we are. And then Isaac departed from there and pitched his tent in the valley of Gerar and dwelt there. And Isaac dug again the wells of water which he had dug in the days of Abraham his father, for the Philistines had stopped them up after the death of Abraham. And he called them by the names which his father had called them. And so Isaac's servants dug in the valley and found a well of running water there. But the herdsmen of Gerar quarreled with Isaac's herdsmen, saying, The water is ours. So he called the name of the well Essek because they quarreled with him. Then they dug another well, and they went and quarreled over that one. So he called that one Sitna. And he moved on from there and dug another well, and they did not quarrel over it. So he called, it, called its name Rehoboth, because he said, For now the Lord has made room for us. We shall be fruitful in the land. Then he went up from there to Bathsheba. And the Lord appeared to him the same night and said, I am the God of your father, Abraham. Do not fear, for I am with you. And I will bless you and I will multiply your descendants for my servant Abraham's sake. And so he built an altar there and called on the name of the Lord. And he pitched his tent there. And Isaac's servants dug a well. I read that story with excitement and frustration. Because Abraham is, the, is the, the, the one that God blessed abundantly. And Isaac is the son of promise, the son of more. 
He is the inheritance. He's the rightful inheritor. And God blesses Isaac. And yet Isaac goes through this frustration of season of going, hang on a minute. I know what God said about me, but now I've got all this other stuff coming around, frustrating me and annoying me and stopping up my wells. And I've got enemies and I've got all this stuff that's blocking God's greater purposes in my life. And I think that there's a lot that we can learn in this. And, and so I want to unpack seven things that block the more. Because we're preaching, all right, God's got more, and I think I've sufficiently convinced you. But now we need to look at, all right, what is stopping God's purposes in my life? Why is this not getting better? Why is this not healing? Why is this not being released? Why is this still such a pain or a fight? So let's look at it together. The first one is, I'm going to say, disobedience blocks the more. In verse 2, it says, The Lord appeared to him and said, Do not go down to Egypt. Live in the land which I shall tell you. God clearly instructs him, don't do it. And he obeys. And we see that he goes into the more. Well, it was the opposite for his father Abraham. His father Abraham, God said, get up and go to a land that I will show you. And I don't think it matters whether God is saying stay put or get up and go. I think what matters is do we obey? It doesn't matter what the instruction is. What really matters is that we hear and we obey the instruction. And the moment we start to step into disobedience, we start to block the more. In fact, humanity is stepping into disobedience since the beginning of time. God tells Adam and Eve, hey, you can eat of every tree in the garden, but don't eat of this one. And what do they do? They totally disobey and they block the more. They get kicked out of the garden because of it. Disobedience is a surefire way to block the greater purposes of God. You want to thwart the plans of God for your life? Just start to walk in disobedience. God told Moses, get up and go into the promised land. He didn't. And he didn't. God then comes to Joshua and says, get up and go into the promised land. And he did. And he did. When you are not in obedience, you're simply saying, no, no, I'm choosing my ways above God's ways. I'm going to do what I think is right. I'm going to do what I know to be true. I'm going to live according to my own convictions. And can I tell you, that is an extremely dangerous place to be. You and your own obedience is one of the greatest blockages. I am the greatest. I got this revelation. We're called Church Unlimited. The greatest limiting factor on Church Unlimited is me. How fun is that? I go home with that responsibility every day. Thanks. I know that I, I've got to, man, if Church Unlimited is going to become unlimited, I've got to become unlimited. You can't have a limited pastor and an unlimited church. It doesn't work. And so I know that God's got more for us. And so I need to keep hearing God and keep stepping into the obedience and doing things God's way. It means that I need to do sexuality God's way. I need to do alcohol God's way. I need to do money God's way. I need to do faith God's way. I can't just do personal, individualized faith on my own. It doesn't work like that. Jesus didn't die for one. He died for all. And that we would be called the body of Christ or the church. In fact, it says, husbands, love your wives like Christ loved the church, not the individual. And so the church, and, and, and so it means that we start doing, th- I'm making your ways my ways. This is called obedience. And I'm not necessarily talking about, should I go start a business? I'm talking about, you know, am I doing my sexuality God's way? Am I doing alcohol God's way? Or am I doing alcohol occasionally my own way whenever I think God might not be looking? Am I doing my money God's way? Well, you know, I don't know if I trust them. I, I, it never says tithe if you trust them. It says tithe if you trust him. 
Some people go, oh, well, I'll tithe. You know, I'll tithe in this church. I'll put my money in this church one day if I trust you. Can I tell you, you're, you're going to make your obedience, we're going to make our obedience unto the Lord conditional upon me? Good luck. Good luck with that. You're going to be waiting forever. I'll, I'll never forget, a lady came to me one time and, and she said, Pastor James, would you pray for me? Pray for me. Pray, I think my boyfriend's breaking up with me and, 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 and I just, I, I couldn't handle it. I love him so much and, and just pray that God would save our relationship. And I said, you're, you're, you're a Christian and he's not. And, and you have moved in together and bought a house together and built your own life, your own way, doing things, you're, you're having sex, you're doing things however you want to. And now when it starts to crumble, you want God to come in and fix the thing that you built. It doesn't work like that. You want the more for your relationships. You've got to do things God's way. You can't sit here and do things your own way in your own obedience to your own desires. And then expect for God's more to be released in your life. It just doesn't work like that. The second thing that blocks the more is fear. In verse 7, it says, And the men of that place asked about his wife. And he said, Oh, she's my sister. Idiot. For he was afraid to say, She is my wife, because he thought lest the men of the place kill me for Rebecca, for she's beautiful to behold. I, I, I what a. Ah. Isaac acted like that because he was afraid. It's amazing how many dumb things we do because we're scared. In fact, God will often tell us to do stuff and we often don't obey out of fear. Let's look at Moses for a second. Moses sends 12 spies into the land. Two of them come back and say, let's go. Ten of them come back and say, let's know. They both saw the same giants in the land. They both saw the same promises of God. They both saw the same opportunities and the same obstacles. And one of them, or two of them, said, God is with us. Let's do it. And the other said, no, nah, no. The issue is, they both felt fear. Fear to do the right thing is such a challenge. I'll never forget, we had a good girl. Come, we've got one of our great girls in our church. and She comes up to me and she goes, I think God's telling me to break up with my boyfriend. And I said, do you love him? And she goes, I love him so much, James. I want to marry him. I said, why do you think he's telling you that? And he goes, because we're not equally yoked. And I said, wow. I said, well, what do you think you're going to do? And she goes, I've got to obey. I've got to break up with him, but I'm so scared. I'm so scared that I'll be single for the rest of my life. And there's a big part of me that would rather be married to a man that doesn't love God than not be married at all. Because I'm scared that I'll be single for the rest of my life. The very next week, she went and broke up with him. She was so scared. She's still single today. And she's still one of the great girls in our church. She's serving the Lord in spite of her, her desires to be married. But she's not going to be married to the wrong man. She would rather obey in fear. Can I tell you right now? It is not faith if there isn't fear. Some people come to me and they go, oh, I'm scared. I go, yeah, that means it's faith. Can I tell you, when Paula and I did our first pledge, I, I wrote down the numbers in the card. And I said, this is what I think we should do. And she goes, no. I was like, what do you mean no? She goes, no, that's what we can do. But this is what God's telling us to do. And I was like, and I heard it and I knew. I was like, oh, babe, I don't know about that. Now I am operating in faith because now I'm scared. Can I tell you, unless there is fear, it's not faith. Because if there's no fear, you're just having a stroll, doing whatever you can do on your own. 
But he calls me beyond my own limitations and he calls me into the more. The more is what he has for me. And if there is no faith gap, that, by the way, another word for faith gap is called fear. I live my whole life with a fear gap, a faith gap. How are we going to do that, Lord? How are we going to plant churches here, there, and everywhere? Where are these leaders going to come from, God? Sometimes we need new musicians just for here. How are we going to have more for there? How are we going to get kids' team to go? And uh, Lord, what are we going to do? How are we going to do this? And I, I wrestle all the same fears. But I know when God's calling me to do something, I've got to step out and do it. I'll never forget when God called me to Australia. I was terrified. I, I remember saying no. My sister said to me, hey, God's calling us to do a mission trip. And I said, no, he is not. He's calling you. Have fun. And she goes, you need to go and pray. And I'm like, oh, I don't want to do that. I don't want to. I had my life mapped out. And she lied to me and said, oh, we'll just go for six months. I sold everything. I sold my car, my computer, my TV. I sold everything I had to obey the Lord. I didn't know that it was going to cost me. I remember marrying Paula. And, and I didn't know how we were going to make it work. Are we going to live in America? Are we going to live in Australia? What's God doing here? And it was a very uncertain time. And, and we just had no idea what God was, the, the finer details. But we just knew that we needed to keep going in faith. But we had great fear. Great fear. I remember when we moved from Mackay to Townsville. I was terrified. I sold my house. I quit my job. I had nothing of substance to go to. My pastor at the time said, I've got no job for you. Sorry. And God called us and we went in the fear. We went because we knew God was saying to us. Well, I quit my job and came here and sold everything to come to North Lakes. There was no great opportunity and great pay packet and come on in, mate, we'll double your salary. And there was none of that. We sold everything we had and we were freaking out. The time that I resigned my job in September of 2017 until the 1st of January when I came here in 2018 were the worst 12 weeks of my life. Those 12 weeks were the most stressful, fear-gripping, you idiot, you've just quit a good job. You're going to where? You don't know what you're going to do. Who's going to do it with you? Those people might not even like you. You might get there and they might leave. I had no idea. Except I had a sense in God. And I had to obey in spite of the fear. Well, most of our team have a story like that. Pastor Dan and Joe sold their house in Yapoon. They had no idea what God was doing with them, but they knew God was calling them here. We couldn't put Dan on staff for a whole year. He served full time in this church as a volunteer, full, more than 40 hours a week, to, just because God told him to. Not knowing how his family was going to get taken care of. Now look at him. Ray has a similar story. Michelle and Matt Fredericks. The, the people of God saying, we want the Lord over our own comforts. Number three, not sowing. Not sowing blocks the more. What does it say in verse 12? It says, Isaac sowed in the land and reaped in the year, the same year, a hundredfold. And the Lord blessed him. How many of you know, if Isaac's not sowing, he's not reaping. He's in famine. Well, it's not really a good time for me right now, Lord. Oh, the advancement offering. Well, you know, this is coming a real bad time for me because I've got things going on in my life. Isaac is in flipping famine. There is no water. There's no rain. What kind of farmer is going to go put a whole bunch of seed in the ground in that time. It's a bad time. But Isaac does it anyway, and God blesses him in drought and famine. Yeah. Yeah. I just know that when you invest in the kingdom, 
You're making a statement that says, hey, God, I trust in you. You are the Lord, my God. You are Jehovah Jireh, not James Jireh. That's a, he's a lousy provider. You cannot reap the more if you don't sow for the more. Now, I don't mean to just monetize that because I'm not just saying the only way we sow is in the advancement offering. There's plenty of other ways we sow in faith. Okay, so I'm not trying to, that's not a manipulative hook. But I do know, as I said before, Paula and I need this. I need this in my life because this is my ability to say, nope, nope, nope. I'm getting my eyes off of my own little kingdom. I'm putting my eyes on the kingdom of God. I'm not going to just sow into the kingdom of Hensley. I'm going to sow into the kingdom of God. And I'm going to go for God. In Galatians 6, it says, do not be deceived. Why does he write that? Because people are deceived. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Stop mocking God, is what he's saying. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For what he sows to his flesh will, of the flesh, reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will reap of the Spirit everlasting life. What's he trying to say? Stop sowing into your fleshly little kingdoms and start sowing into the greater kingdom. Get your eyes off of your own selfishness and put your eyes on the Lord. Oh, I'm convinced in my life that I've just got to keep sowing into the things that God is telling me to sow into. And as I do so, God is increasing me. There is more coming into my life. Well, that's right what it says. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Sow first into the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And you will reap in every other thing being added unto you. This is the kingdom of God. This is the way God works. Number four. This one hurts. Number four is envy and jealousy. It says, so the Philistines envied him. And the Philistines had stopped up all the wells which his, father, his father's servants had dug. Can I tell you right now that envy and jealousy will block the more in your life. It will block the more. If you, if you want to just block the favor of God, just start looking at somebody else's marriage. Just start telling your spouse, Oh, well, why aren't you like her? She does this and that and the other. Oh, yeah, you want to mess your marriage up? Just start comparing. You will, I'm telling you, you will block the more. Oh, yeah, well, he never does this in that house. And he doesn't talk to her like that. Just start comparing. Just fill your heart with envy about somebody else's house or somebody else's financial situation. Or just go, oh, well, it's, it's easy for them. Oh, man. You start going down that road with jealousy and envy, and you will block the more. I drive a, a spectacular 2009 Toyota Corolla hatch. The paint is peeling. Might need a new clutch. We just had Mark Verigis here for conference, and, and I went to one of my friends, and I said, Hey, you drive a Mercedes. Is there any chance I could drive the guest speaker around in your Mercedes? And they said, absolutely, and gave me the keys. I saw her this morning, and I said, hey, you should probably report that car stolen, because you're not going to get it back. <laughs> this is a police matter now. Oh, my gosh. Have you ever driven a Mercedes? They're amazing. Like, I thought Volkswagens were nice. This thing is amazing. It's just, and, it, and it's not even brand new. And I just, man, I love this car. And, you know, I just, man, I used to think Mercedes are for people that are pretentious. Now I'm praying, Lord, I want to be pretentious. <laughs> I want a Mercedes, Lord. I really do. And eventually... I know that I'm going to have to go and swap back for the old Corolla and all of her issues. 
And I'm not excited about it. Honestly, I'm really, this is hurtful. I told Paula this morning, I don't want to give the car back. <laughs> How many of you know when jealousy gets into your heart? Somebody else's house, somebody else's holiday, when someone else gets the more and you're sitting here going, what about me? I'll tell you what, nothing will stop your wells of more. Nothing will block the flow in your life like jealousy and envy. I've now come to the conclusion that I just want to celebrate. Every time someone gets a cool car in our church, I want to celebrate it. By the way, I love that our church has cool cars in it. We've got this, this, we've got a guy in our church who drives this orange Mustang, and it is just banging. It is like awesome. And I love it because I want my family to do well. I'm not sitting back going, oh, who do you think you are? You can't, have, you can't love the Lord with that kind of car. Of course you can. That's God's favor and blessing on your life. Hopefully you're not hocked up to the eyeballs in debt. But I know, do you know how many people wreck their lives trying to get the more, but they go into debt because they've got to have the more to feel good about them? Block the more with your envy, you idiot. Let your afterpay kill the more. Let your credit card bill just stifle and quench out the more in your life because you're trying to keep up with the Joneses. The Joneses have some more, but you're like, I want their more, so I'm going to go ruin my life to get it. I've just learned that I just got to take my eyes off of stuff. I think it's awesome when you have stuff. I just don't think it's awesome when stuff has you. So I just, I don't want to compare myself. It says the Philistines envied them and blocked it all up. I just don't want that. Number five, it says the enemy, number five is the enemy blocks the more. It says, so Isaac's servants dug in the valley. They were digging for the more and they found the more, a well of running water there. But then the herdsmen of Gerar quarreled over the Isaac's, uh, with Isaac's herdsmen saying, this water is ours. This more is ours. And I just get a picture of the enemy, the devil. God releases more in our lives. And the devil comes and goes, no, it's not. That's mine. And we see contention and quarreling with the enemy. Jesus tells us in John 10.10, he says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that you would have life overflowing or life to the more. Well, we know that God's got more for us, but we also know in that verse that there is an enemy, an adversary, a contender who wants to try to shut up all the flow of more in our lives. And I think we need to be careful that we don't become ignorant. In fact, Peter teaches us, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking to devour you have to understand that there is an enemy who is designing all kinds of plots and ploys to steal, kill, and destroy us. Please don't just live ignorant of the devil. Because the devil wants to block the more in your life and make you so frustrated that you quit. This is why Jesus teaches us to double down on our faith. Remember when they come to Jesus and they said, Jesus... We can't cast this demon out. There's a devil, and it's blocking the more freedom that this guy needs. And Jesus cast the demon out. And, and, and they, they said, well, how did you do that? And he said, hey, this kind can only come out through prayer and fasting. We actually need to know when we're going to war in the spirit to fight off the adversary that's trying to stifle the more in our lives. Yeah. Number six discouragement blocks the more. Verse 22, it says, and they moved from there and dug another well and they didn't quarrel over that one. So they called its name Rehoboth because the Lord said, for the Lord is now making room for us and he shall be, we shall be fruitful in the land. How many times did they have to keep digging and keep digging and keep digging and they're clearing out all the blockages? And they're still not getting the more. And then they finally dig and they go, yes, 
Finally, a land of peace. God's bringing us into a place of peace and rest. I know so many people that it's just, it's just like we've been believing for 20 years. We've been believing for 30 years. We've been believing for our son. We've been believing for my husband. I've been believing for my health. I've been believing to buy a house. I've been believing, James. I, I don't want to hear one more of those stupid more messages. Because discouragement gets into our hearts. How much discouragement would Isaac have gone through holding on for dear life? We recently went jet skiing as a family. And I was driving the jet ski and we had a tube on the back of the jet ski. And I put Judah and Joel on the tube on the back of the jet ski. And um, I was having a great time. As I proceeded to whip them around the lake, I don't know if you've ever been on the back of a tube when you're going faster than you ought to be. This is why the Lord has not entrusted to me a Mercedes. Because I'm not mature enough for it yet. There will come a time where the Lord will deem me to be worthy of such things. But, but just borrowing a jet ski for the afternoon, I was quite untrustworthy and and I'm whipping my kids and my poor boys. <laughs> you should have seen them. I, Paula said, why did you go way down the lake? I couldn't see what you, what you guys were up to. <laughs> the water was smoother down there, babe. So anyway, <laughs> I'm around this corner and the tube is cooking, man. It is cooking. And Joel comes off. And Joel is literally walking on water. Like, like, he skid across the water for 30, 40 meters. And I come around and I pick him up. And he's crying. He's yelling at me. Fathers, don't provoke your sons to anger. I think that's in here somewhere. And um, this is my confession, by the way. Um, so forgive me, Father, for I have sinned. And, um, but... Um, I said, son, what, what's wrong? And he goes, dad, I was holding on and I was holding on and I couldn't hold on anymore. And he's so mad at me. I was like, well, are you hurt? And he goes, no, it just scared me. It's like, okay. To be honest with you, he got back on. He did get back on. But he was yelling at me, slow down. So I was like, oh, mom will talk about this to me later. Um, so he's holding on, and some of us are like that. It's like when you're, when you're holding on, and you're holding on, and you're holding on, and you just feel like, I can't keep holding on. I can't hold on to this relationship. I can't hold on to this marriage. I'm sick of believing for healing. I'm so frustrated, God. I'm so discouraged, God. It's, it's awful. And, and I think Paul gives us this verse. For, for us in those moments. He says in Galatians 6, 9, he says, and let us not grow weary while we're doing good. For in due season, we'll reap if we don't lose heart. There is more. Just don't stop. Don't stop. Discouragement gets in and it acts like a blockage. And, and I know so many good, faith-filled people that wind up letting go of their miracles because discouragement just gets in and it's too much. And I just love that Isaac, in the face of all the enemies and everything that was going on, how many times as well as the blockages, he just kept digging yeah. and kept digging. Yeah. Here's the last one. I invite the worship team to come. Contentment blocks the more. They had dug and overcome the enemy. They had dug and overcome discouragement. They dug and they got the more, a land of peace and rest. And God blesses them. And they dig again. Listen to this in verse 24. After all that, it says, And the Lord appeared to them the same night and said, I am the God of your father Abraham. Do not fear, for I am with you. And I will bless you and multiply your descendants for my, Abraham, for my servant Abraham's sake. And so he built an altar there and called on the name of the Lord. And he pitched 
his tent there, and there Isaac's servants dug a well. What do you mean they dug a well? They already had their place of rest. They already had it all. They were already in the moor. And they dig again? Yeah. Because they knew that there was still more. They knew that there was still more. What does Ephesians 3.20 says? He will do exceedingly abundantly above whatever we think, ask, or imagine. According to his power that is at work within us. So the level to my thinking, my asking, or my imagination is the floor because he will do exceedingly abundantly. He will do more than what I ask. And I think sometimes we get to these places in our lives where we're like, you know what, I've actually, it's going pretty good. I'm going pretty good right now. Life is good. God's been good to me. When Paula and I, if we're honest, we're healthy. I don't have debt. I don't have a Mercedes, but I don't have debt. And, and I look at my life and I go, man, I, I feel really happy with my life. I feel very grateful for my life. And God still has more. God still has more. Isaac was blessed with the more. He had Rehoboth. God made room for him. But they dig again. Because God has more. You might feel really blessed, but there's more. You might feel like you've already received the more. Great. There's more. It's one thing to dig and to fight for yourselves. It's another thing to then learn and dig and fight for others. Paula and I, we're good. The Hensley family, at this current moment in time, are good. Tick. I'm not crying in my millions every night. But we're good. God's been so good to us. It's one thing to believe for the more for your family. It's another thing to believe for the more for you generationally. And Abraham believed for more for Isaac. And Isaac believed for more for his sons. And his sons for his sons. And and generational legacy starts to happen as we tap into our greater inheritance. It's one thing for me to believe for my children. But it's another thing for me to believe for Church Unlimited. And it's one thing for me to believe for Church Unlimited. But it's another thing for me to believe for the region. It's another thing for me to believe for the region, but God's talking about the kingdom. We're talking about the north side of Brisbane, and God's like, is that it? Mate, no, my kingdom come, my will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Come on, mate, lift your faith. Believe in more. Believe that there is always going to be more. And so as long as I'm the pastor of this church, we're going to keep pressing into God for more. We're, we're in the process right now of, of figuring out how we're going to buy this building. But you know what's funny? We're not talking about buying this building. We're talking about buying this building, buying a building in Burpengary. And we're currently going to try to have a conversation with a property developer who has acres in Caboolture West. And I'm like, how are we going to do all that? I have no idea. I'm a bit scared, to be honest with you. I'm like, I don't even want to sit down with this guy because I don't want to look like an idiot. But I just believe God is for us and has more for his church. By the way, I'm a steward of this church. If we're lucky, Paul and I will get 30 or 40 years of leading this church. Dan's counting that up going, well, that's a long time, mate. You want to be 83? You couldn't handle it. Christine's like, next. Thanks, Christine. I saw it in your eyes. Hurts. I, I... I want to keep pressing for greater things. Because it's not just the Hensleys. Man, me and my little sandcastle, who cares? It's nice. It's security. But security is not found in the kingdom. It's faith. There's always more. You just have to decide how bad do you want it. Would you stand to your feet? How bad do you want it? Do you want it bad enough to obey? Do you want the more that God has for you so bad that you're willing to do what he wants instead of what you want? 
Do you, have, do you want the more so bad you're willing to look fear in the eyes and go anyway? Do you want it so bad that you're willing to let go of your envy and your jealousies and all the keeping up with the Joneses BS that we all fight? Do you want it bad enough that you'll overcome discouragement and keep going even when it's hard? That's the challenge to all of us. I want to pray this over you and I just think this is a really powerful scripture. Would you just, would you just lift your hands? It's found in 1 Timothy 6. It says, But you, O man of God, you, O woman of God, Flee these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold of eternal life to which you were also called and had confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. And Lord, over every person here right now, I speak. Let the, let the fight of faith, the good fight of faith, start to emerge in our hearts again. God, where we've become content. Lord, we, we just say we want divine discontentment. I'm very grateful. But I trust that you have more. Lord, I, I can't believe how far we've come. Oh, your faithfulness is evident everywhere. But your word says there's even more. And so for every person here, I speak right now an impartation of, of faith and courage. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're illuminating to us blockages in our lives. Much as an angiogram might diagnose your body and see where things don't have good flow. I thank you right now, Holy Spirit, that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. You're already in us. And we give you permission to search us and look for the blockages of our lives that are prohibiting the greater things that you have. And so, Holy Spirit, we thank you right now that according to your goodness and your kindness, you're leading us into places of clearing blockages. Lord, we repent from, from disobedience and willfulness and stubbornness. Lord, we repent where we've let worry and fear get our hearts. We, rep we repent for letting discouragement win. God, we declare that no weapon formed against us, no devil, no principality, no powers will block the greater things that you have for our hearts. We trust that you've got greater things for each family individually and for Church Unlimited, for North Lakes and way beyond. Because God, you are so true and so faithful to each one of us. You know what you're doing with each one of us. And God, we say we're all in with you. We are all in with you. You know, in this moment of faith, there's one thing I want to do before we close. And that's to provide people who might not be in a right relationship with God the opportunity to get right with God. The Bible says that if we call on the Lord and we invite him to forgive us of our sins, that he will forgive us and he will cleanse us. And then he invites us to make him Lord of our lives. And there was a time in my life where I was trying to be my own God, make my own calls. But I learned at a young age that I needed to surrender my life to Jesus and make him the Lord of my life. And I wonder if there are people here this morning and you would say, James, I know that I'm not in right relationship with God. I don't know what it means to be forgiven of my sins. And, and I need to make Jesus the Lord of my life. If that's you, I want to pray with you. Maybe we could just bow our heads just for a moment. I think it's important that we get honest with God and just keep looking into our own hearts. Where are you at with Jesus this morning? Is he the forgiver of your sin? Is he the Lord of your life? If he's not, we can fix that in one prayer. So many people say to me, James, I'm so far away from God. And I say, that's not possible. You're actually only one prayer away from God if you would humble yourself and invite him in. And so I just wonder, is there one person here or a couple of people here this morning that say, James, I need to pray that prayer. If that's you, would you give me a little wave? I'll see your hand and then you can put it back down. I, I don't want to embarrass anybody today. I see your hand there, mate. That's awesome. Come on, one person saying, I need to pray and receive the forgiveness of God. Is there, 
Is there one more that says, James, I need to do that. Before I go home, I need to do that. I think there's another one. Oh, good. Awesome. Very cool. Two people. Come on, church. Can we pray together? Would you repeat after me? Dear Lord Jesus, I thank you that you love me. You proved it when you went to the cross and died for my sins. Jesus, forgive me. Wash me clean. Help me to know you and live for you all the days of my life. Amen. Lord, for those two people, I thank you that you see them and you know them. And I just really feel God say to you today that he's not ashamed of you. And sometimes when we look in the mirror, all we can see is our screw-ups. But when God looks at you, he's not seeing a screw-up. He's seeing the forgiven. And now you have the opportunity to walk forward as the forgiven. God loves you so much. I speak right now that your presence would come and surround them. That they would know, God, that you're with them and you're for them. I bless them in Jesus' name. Lord, over each one of us as we leave and go forward into this week. Lord, we go into this week ahead believing that you have opportunities in store for us. You've got greater things in store for us. And we choose to put our faith in you instead of our our faith in the fear of the voices that surround us. I speak, God, your grace to lead us and guide us as we go forward into all that you have for us. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. Come on, be blessed. Have a great week. Thanks for joining us. We pray that you and your family are richly blessed by the love and grace of Jesus. If you're ever in the area, we would love for you to join us for Sunday worship.